2: On News Radio 680 WPTF.
1: And I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner.
2: And I'm Deborah Lewis,
3: Certified Financial Planner. And we're here to answer your questions for the next hour.
1: The purpose of a charitable remainder trust, they're called CRT, is to provide a benefit to the donor, that's income for life, and charity, that's distribution at death, while receiving an immediate charitable tax. Benefit.
3: So we have two parties. We have the person donating this gift or appreciated asset, whether it's cash, securities, land, etc., and they're going to receive the income for their life. And then at the end of that person's life, at death, the charity is going to receive something, the remaining amount.
1: That's right. So the first thing we, we, we look at is the mat, matter of what we call funding, funding the trust. As you said, Deborah, it can be funded with. Cash or investments or real estate or even a business. A number of people want to sell a business, and so they fund the trust with a business. Number two, it will provide ongoing income to the donor for the rest of his life and her life if it's a couple. And then at death, it distributes to the charity whatever is remaining. Now, the matter of funding, however, has a beware to it. You have to beware when contributing securities or property that's going to be sold, it is imperative that the CRT be set up and receive ownership before any transaction deal has been agreed upon. If the deal has been agreed upon before contributing to the CRT, what happens, Zebra? This is a disaster. This is a disaster. So that's the first point about funding.
2: So basically, what you're saying, Doug and Deborah, is that if a person has this appreciated asset or business or stocks or you know uh, securities, and they want to sell it, this is a strategy that is allowed, and you transfer that appreciated asset into the charitable trust. Well, first you as you said, you establish the trust then the asset is transferred into the trust you give it away you give it away you you take it out of your personal estate put it into the charitable trust and then when it's in the trust then you sell it so that's it,
1: the first issue that's the matter of funding, the funding. that's exactly, exactly. right
3: exactly the next thing that we would want to talk about is the income
1: okay so now we have the next item the ongoing income most crts are set up to provide income to the donor for life. The income distributions can be based on either a fixed percentage of the beginning of the year values, that's called a CRUT, a CRUT, or a fixed dollar amount, that's called a CRAT, a CRAT. For example, let's assume that two CRTs have a value of a million dollars each.
3: All right. And then the first CRT would grow
1: at 7%. And let's call these two people Bob and Mary, Doug. All right. And let's have them both grow at 7% so we can compare apples to apples. Bob's CRT is a crut. So he has chosen to receive distributions of 8% per year. And Mary's CRT is a crat. And she's chosen to receive $80,000 per year. So one's a percentage and one's a fixed dollar amount. Right. Now, let's look at what happens. Based on these assumptions, distributions for Bob and Mary are very different.
3: All right. So at the value of the CRT beginning of year one, they're both a million dollars. And And
1: distributions in both of them in year one is going to be $80,000.
3: Now, because it appreciated, what happens in year two?
1: But in year two, the distributions in the CRUT go down from eighty thousand to seventy-nine thousand two hundred, but the distributions in the crat stay frozen at eighty thousand. So as you can see, if the distribution rate that's pouring out of the CRUT or the CRT exceeds the growth rate, uh-huh, then Bob's distributions will decrease each year. While Mary's remain constant,
3: so choosing distribution rates and the type of trust is really key to accomplishing the goals of the donor. If you know what you're going to need from the trust after you've given it away, you need to meet with a certified financial planner. You need to uh, go through the process, what is actually allowed in the IRS code, and make certain that it's going to meet your needs. If you want to call us during the week to set up an appointment for yourself, give me a call at nine one nine. 872 And we will get started. We'll make a list of the questions that are on
2: your mind. So another item that we need to look at is the strategy.
1: That's right, Lynn, the strategy itself, because we just discussed the funding and the ongoing income. But now we look at the strategy. The CRT should be considered a strategy when there are two or more of the following situations exist.
3: There might be a need for annual tax advantaged income or if you're in a high tax bracket, or most likely if you have a highly appreciated security or other property, and lastly, if you have charitable intent.
1: That's right. Two of those four mean the strategy is suitable for you. So let's consider Matt's circumstances. Okay.
3: Matt is 60 years old and owns a 10% interest in a biotech company that is in the process of negotiating a sale to a large publicly held company. He believes the company will sell for $15 million. His cost basis in the stock is negligible, next
1: to nothing. So if Matt sells all of his stock for $1.5 million, that's 10% of the $15 million, his tax bill is going to be about $380,000. And he'll only have about 1200000 left over. That's going to be available for investment. If Matt wants to take a withdrawal rate, of 5% per year, his annual income from his investments it could be about 56000 a year.
3: Now, but if Matt gives his stock to a CRT,
1: what could happen, Doug? He pays zero in capital gains tax. He saves all of that and has about $80,000 in annual income and probably increasing Each year. Wow.
3: As you can see just from these little snippets of examples, this is a powerful strategy. It's one that the uh, charity itself benefits from at the end of your death. But more importantly to you as a listener, if this is your scenario, you've got appreciated maybe family farmland, a business. We were just talking one last week to a a business owner who is strategizing on how to make this sale happen inside a charitable trust. And what many people may not know is you don't have to own the asset completely just you alone. You could be a partner. You could have several family members who own different interests in the property. But when you're facing capital gains taxes, you know that you want to somehow find a way to avoid paying that tax.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any, I, I know we have more experience in doing these than anyone in the Triangle area, what we call the Self-Trustee Charitable Remainder Trust since 1992. I think that was the first one 1990. we ever did. Was it 1990, Deborah? Yeah. Uh, we did one <clears throat> of those for Linda's mother. And so if this is your situation, that you have something that you're worried about selling because of the tax We can show you how to turn what's called lemon into lemonade. Call our office for an appointment, 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Tom, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can we help you this evening?
4: Oh, yes. Uh, We were just wondering. We just uh, came down from Florida for job-related reasons. And um, we were looking for houses in uh, Raleigh area. And, and we thought of maybe we can just purchase a uh, house. And um, my wife has, we, we don't have much, but my wife has a 401k. Uh, it has somewhere around $30,000 in it. Uh, could we use that uh, 401k or as a down payment to purchase something or... If not, what can we do with that money to actually make it grow more?
1: Yeah, these are really good questions, Tom. First of all, uh, welcome to North Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, welcome to North Carolina. But but in 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 all sincerity, uh, the the worst thing you could do is to take something that has been put aside for your future financial independence in a retirement account. Such as a 401k and deplete it because all assets break into two types. One we call use assets, and the other we call investment assets. Well, right now it's an investment asset. A home is a use asset. It's not an investment. A home is a it's a shelter. It keeps the warm, the storm off of you. It's a place to sleep in, but it's not an investment asset. Uh, if soon as you turn around and sell it, you got to get another home. So it's never a, an investment asset. So you would be taking an investment asset and converting it to a use asset, which would be self-destructive, in my opinion. Now then, the question is, what should you do with regard to the 401k? Well, you have two choices. One, leave it alone, or the other, roll it into an IRA, and I think that, uh, Deborah, I think you'd agree with me, definitely roll it into an IRA. Well, uh,
3: did you say an old 401k, meaning she is no longer employed at the old employers? Correct. Okay. Right. So, yes, once you terminate employment, you have the right and the privilege by IRS rules to be able to leave uh, the employer and take with you what you have set aside as untaxed income. So, you now have this right to access it and move it into an IRA. Well, the I part is the individual. This is going to give you, again, to give her, because it's in her name, it's going to give her the ability to create for herself her own retirement account, choose their own investments. Well, how, how old are you and how old is she? Um, uh,
4: my wife is um, 39.
3: Okay. 39. 39 to 59 which is the the minimum that you'd be able to access it she has 20 years at a minimum that she could see that grow um, 20 years on that 30,000 there's no reason with choosing uh, the the right investment and in vehicle inside of it that you couldn't see it double in size now when we talk about the specifics I'd want to talk to you individually and off the air but Doug, do you have your calendar handy? I mean, you're a calculator. If you'd like further information, call us at 919-872-7000 or go to our website, DougAndLinda.com. That's
1: DougAndLinda.com. Yeah, I was just looking, you know, there... She's so young that if we talk about another 25 years, she's only going to be, what, 65 years old? Correct. We're talking about close to $200,000 if it grows at 7%. (sighs) That's what I was thinking. So to deprive yourself of $200,000 would be- You'll never
3: buy back those years to (laughs) compound even the $30,000. But now
1: the question is, after you roll it out of the 401k and into an IRA, we need to remember that the 401k is what we call a chicken Chicken house. house- And an IRA is what we call a chicken Chicken. house because the chicken, in our illustration, is the investment, not the house. That's right. And the wolf is the IRS IRS that would like to eat the chickens. So as long as your chickens, the 30,000, are in a chicken house, the wolf cannot eat them. However, you want to roll your chickens to another chicken house called an IRA and select certain kinds of chickens. Well, what you don't want, you don't want things like index funds. You well, don't you, want let's things. Let's
3: simple. You don't want cash.
1: You don't you want, want cash. A, you really
3: want an investment, right? And you want to f- choose an investment that's going to have a historical, um, uh, something you can you can track and see. Who are the managers? What was the return over the past ten years? You right. want to choose these managers,
1: right? So that's the first thing. I would definitely say do it that way. Do an IRA rollover and go into an IRA custodian where they allow you to select whatever mutual funds you want by looking at the managers, the track record, the historical performances, and on that basis, make your move. On the other side, on the house side, again, I would not be buying a house right now. I'd be renting a house because if you rent, you immediately have no debt. And that's a very nice position to be in. And you get the same use out of it. Nobody on the same street that rents a house or is buying a house they all look like the same house. People have the same protection from the elements, but you get the same use out of it without any debt. So that 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 would be my approach. Now, if you have any other questions, by the way, Tom, jot our number down and go to our website also. Our website has been recently redesigned. We've been getting a lot of feedback this past week from clients and from listeners who say they really like the new website because it has videos of Linda speaking, of myself speaking, of Deborah speaking, and a lot of information. So the website is DougAndLinda.com, DougAndLinda.com. And write our number down, and we'll be happy to set up an appointment to meet with you. The number at the office is? 919-872-7000.
3: That's 919-872-7000.
4: Okay, very good.
3: So Tom, did we answer your question? Is there anything else we can help you with tonight?
4: Oh, you guys were very helpful. Great. Uh, really appreciate it. Well, thank
3: you
2: for being a listener. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for Good calling. Bye bye. Bye now. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio six eighty WPTF. Well, Doug, Deborah. What else is new in the world of financial planning? Well, there are many
3: questions that we get asked on a frequent basis that we might begin the show with tonight because we, as comprehensive financial planning uh, experts and certified financial planners, we have a lot of of questions that are uh, the usual types that we are answering during the week. For example... How should your 401k be positioned based on your available investment choices? I got that one at least twice this week. And how do you roll over your 401k, 403b, or retirement plan, and where should it be invested?
1: Now, those are investment-type questions. And other retirement or retirement investment questions, what might be, how should my overall portfolio be balanced between stocks, bonds, REITs, or mutual funds? And what investment vehicles should I Currently, be invested in based on my current age or risk tolerance or retirement goals.
2: Other folks want to know how do I prepare for college funding for my children, and how do I prepare for financial independence in the future? Should I pick um, investments for my pension at retirement, or should I take the lump sum payment option?
1: Or well, how do I go ahead and create a budget? What's the difference between my discretionary expenses, my non discretionary expenses, and my regular monthly expenses?
3: Well, what about insurance? How do I know if my insurance coverage is adequate? And what type of insurance should I own? How much will my wife need to pay her monthly expenses if I were to die? What about the difference between those types of insurance? What's the difference between term or whole life, universal, second-to-die insurance? Do you need long-term care insurance?
2: What if you're wondering about disability insurance? Other folks have questions about taxes. Is there any way that you can avoid or reduce the alternative minimum tax? Can you use a charitable trust to sell real estate or investments tax-free? Are there any investment vehicles that can help you reduce your tax burden?
1: Or maybe it's a tax question like, should my business be an S-Corp or a C-Corp or an LLC or a sole proprietorship? Or am I paying enough in quarterly taxes or too much in quarterly taxes?
2: And of course, on the estate side, folks wonder, do I need a revocable living trust and a credit shelter trust? And how can you reduce your estate tax liability? And how can you avoid probate costs? You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewises on News Radio 680 WPTF. And if you'd like to schedule an appointment, call us at Lewis Financial Management during the week. Leave us your number. Or, and we'll be happy to send you an introductory packet. That number is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000.
1: Uh, Brent, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner.
2: Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner.
1: How can we help you this evening?
4: Yes, sir. I, I'm, I'm self-employed. Um, I have about 200. I have a SEP, uh, S-E-P, a SEP. Yes, sir. <laughs> That I set up about close to fifteen, well, for probably been twenty years now. Um, obviously, it's grown. I put in a set amount each month. It's about 200 uh, 250000 dollars in there now, but it's with a. Uh, I don't want. I guess they don't want to say their name, but it's with a an insurance company. All right. That I set it up a long time ago uh I don't know what the fees are uh I guess I could find out, but I never have and it's growing and it's grown I made it through the big bump and you know didn't touch it and I'm not planning on touching it i'm forty seven years old um I also have um about forty about fifty thousand dollars in a mutual fund uh through another uh can I say their name? Or sure, no
1: problem. You can USA. say. I can't say. That's the only rules. Okay, I'm not allowed to say, but you can say.
4: Well, the, that's through the mutual funds are through USAA. All right. Um, and I, I'm, sad, I'm very satisfied with them. Um, I, again, I don't know what my fees are, and I can find out. But just listening to your show, I'm thinking, you know, am I, am I paying something for something that?
1: All right, let's 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 move the, let's move the discussion along to get to some hard questions because I want to give you some hard answers.
4: Okay, my hard my hard questions are, as I said, I'm 47. Got gotcha. you, I will continue to work probably past 60. I'm married. Um, I have a mortgage. Um, is, I, I is your have, wife
1: work is your wife working, Brent? No. All right. No. So you're the you're the sole wage earner. Any children at home?
4: Yes, I have uh, two girls and
1: I. All right. A- um, ages of your girls?
4: They're under six.
1: All right. And uh, have you accumulated anything else other than the two hundred and fifty thousand in your SEP IRA and the fifty thousand in your mutual fund?
4: No, I have about. Probably 40000 in my checking
1: account. All right. Now, tell me a little bit about your income, and then we can go to some uh, some questions. Either you form, formulate them, or I'll throw them at you, and we'll get them out of you. But what's your income?
4: Uh, well, it used to be a lot more. Now, it's about $150,000.
1: About 150000 a year. That's net after the expenses of your business?
4: Uh, yeah, between that. Between, it depends on the year. So, right. You know. I guess the average would probably be 120.
1: Okay. All right. And do you have any idea what your living expenses are uh, to support your family? A month? Yeah, a month. Um,
4: with mortgage, uh, probably looking at about five or six.
1: All right. So six times seven be seventy two. How about uh, the non monthly expenses, including your vacation, clothing? What do you think it costs to take care of your family over the year? That's you just gave us between sixty and seventy two thousand.
4: I would say the rest of it. I'm trying to put back when I can. All right. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. And that's good. That's good because you're you're, you're you are the type of individual which we call uh, feast or famine entrepreneurs. Money goes up, money goes down. You don't know what's coming in, but it's good that you've got such goals. I'm very proud of you, by the way, at 47 years old, that you have been able to accumulate what you have. That's that's very admirable. More importantly is you have another 30 years easily in front of you, and that gives you the ability to accumulate a very high amount of wealth. So let's see if we can get your first question.
4: First question would be, I'm using um, a insurance company that I've used you know, since I set up the set um, through an agent that that came to me 20 years ago, and I, I have changed. Uh, obviously, I can go in and change where I'm. Um, what stocks?
1: Question. I, question. Question. I need a question, Brent.
4: Is Do your, I, need to,
1: I think your. I, I think money. your question is: Is that the proper, the proper right. way to approach it? Is that your question?
4: My, my question is: Am I wasting money using a third, 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 third middleman?
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes.
3: If you hear something tonight that sounds like your situation, call us. Set up an appointment. We can help you. 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000.
1: We have to come back to, and uh, I hope I'm not stepping on your insurance agent's toes, but an insurance company is legally a company that deals in what we call risk transfer. Risk transfer. transfer. Risk transfer is where you have a risk that you're afraid of and you transfer that risk to a company called an insurance company and they understandably are gonna make a profit on you for taking that risk away from you. That's got nothing to do with the world of investments. That is insurance. So the individual you're dealing with works for a risk transfer company and then the products that they offer generally are going to be wrapped with fees to cover the cost of people dying who are not you. That's the way insurance companies work. So, yes, for a number of reasons, you don't want to be using an insurance company for the custodian for your SEP IRA. I have to give you a little – you don't mind me spanking you a little bit, a little rebuke here saying –
4: well, I, I can, I can, stop. I can already feel the pain. All right, all right, all right, okay,
1: Brent. I just want to say there's no reason any investor should be able to say, "I don't know what my fees are." Uh, that is not excu- All right, okay, that's not excusable because we always feel in our office we begin every meeting with every client, opening up every single fee that either. They will be subjected to, or voluntarily want to pay for different types of things. You always need to know. So that's the first question. Second Next question. question is, yes.
4: What is my escape route?
1: Uh, your escape route is very nice. The Internal Revenue Service. Yeah, the Internal Revenue Service gives you a very nice escape route. First of all, as I said, we talk about investments being chickens because it's a nice illustration. Because chickens give off eggs. Investments give off income. So chickens, the principal; eggs, the income. Then we have a chicken house, such as a SEP IRA.
3: Anything that can protect the income from being taxed
1: yet. And even the principal. And even the principal. That's Everything
3: right. that's in the chicken house can be rolled to another chicken house. That
1: is the escape route that the IRS provides for you. You can move from chicken house to chicken house whenever you want, tax free and without charges. So, what you want, you want to find an independent custodian correct for your SEP IRA. Number 2, you want that custodian to allow you to choose any investments you want. Any chickens you want, you can want to be able to go to the world of mutual funds, to go to the world of REITs, to go to the world of investments and select whatever you and your financial advisor choose. Of course, that's where we come in very often. We help you go to the world and find right. what's out there. So to
3: answer your question, yes, you have a escape route. It's to Change the Custodian. It's a tax-free event. We can help you do that. Call us during, actually call me, um... Stay on the line afterwards, but 919 872 7000 and go ahead and leave your information and we can help you do that.
1: Now, part number two. He's got another question.
4: No, well, I was going to say, okay, obviously I I am, I am, I'm more, I'm working hard to make my money and I'm not working for my money, obviously, because I don't know the answers to the questions I'm asking because I'm out there doing what I do to make the money. Right. Right. So, so and you said it's a, it, So is this like a, a a very smooth transition? I call you, you say, give me your account numbers. I mean, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. Part that of would it that would be is unethical. The
2: education isn't isn't that right, Doug? Because <laughs> yeah. you know you're, uh, you know we commend you because you've been diligently working all these years, and your wife's been taking care of the household and the and the children. So. We have a we have a, a partnership, so to speak. But what you need is education, sound advice, and answers to your questions.
1: Our procedure has been as follows. You establish an appointment to meet with us. We tell you to send up to send us ahead of the meeting five items, which we call the five keys. Number one item, number one key is a list of everything you own and everything you owe. For some people, it looks like a financial statement. It can be the back of the napkin, but it's all your assets and all your debts. Uh, key number two, your tax return for the past year.
3: And here it would be both personal and the business tax return.
1: Correct. That's key number two. Key number three is is a list of your expenses, your living expenses, and here we send you a form to help you fill out what you think your expenses are in all the different areas. Key number four, we have you send to us a statement showing what is your projected income for the coming year. Which is really important for self-employed folks. That's right. All right, and then for some people, key number five, which would not be you, would be a most recent pay stub. with those five items in our office and with you on the calendar, then, as Linda said, you come to the meeting with a list of all the questions you want answered and we educate and we answer every question and we do all of the all of the education and only after that meeting if you decide to proceed with us and you're comfortable, then we start doing the implementing of the the different things like the rollover. There's two things you should be doing, by the way. You've only talked about the one. There's another one I want to tell you that you should be doing, but that first piece of doing the IRA rollover from one SEP custodian to another, that would only be after you're comfortable that we as fiduciaries are giving you the advice, which is in your best interest, not our best interest. Then the second item that I think you should be doing for your future is you should be doing what we call a pay yourself first plan, because you do have At your income level, at your young age, and with your accumulation thus far, you have the ability to accumulate a number of millions of dollars. Yes, you do. And we have many clients that have gone through the the stages from their 40s to the 50s to the 60s, the 70s, and we have some who are now already in their late 80s and moving into 90 now. So,
4: well, see, that's why I call. Well, they, well, <laughs> well, you're good. right on. T- I,
1: I love talking to 40 some year olds because they are they're the best ones. They see the big 5o coming up, and at the same time, they've got enough years to compound. To really, that's
3: right. To really have impact. So, so the SEP helps us on one, one pocket on our pair of pants, you know, for thinking about all everything we own. The other side that Doug's referencing is personal assets, assets outside of retirement accounts. So
1: we'll address we'll both. And for that meeting, we do not recommend you buy anything. There's no sales pitch or anything. You're buying advice. For that meeting, you'll be paying us an hourly fee. And we don't talk about our fees on the air, but I will tell you, you'll be very comfortable. It's a straight hourly fee that we charge you for advice. And only after you're comfortable, then do we proceed uh, to the next step, however you want to go.
3: You're listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Call to make an appointment with Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner of Lewis Financial Management. Call 919 7000 or visit our website, Doug yes, and Linda dot
2: Yes, and you know I
4: don't want to send a plug, but that's exactly what Clark Howard said.
2: <laughs> well good. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> he
4: says get the see only advisor. <laughs> Well, right. we
2: have really enjoyed your call
4: today, Brent. And, yeah,
1: let me see if, if Brent's got anything else he wants to throw at us while, we're, while, while we got him live on the air.
4: Well, I, I, I do have one more. Um, yeah, I have a I have a business partner, and I, would that affect if you know we have the SEP? And I don't
1: know. No, it does I mean, not. And well, I shouldn't okay. say. It. I should I say. It let me. Do. It can. It can be done either way because the SEP is established by the employer for the employee. And you are both an employee and the employer, as is your partner. Yes. Yeah. That's and, right. And we have a number of clients who are in that, exactly the same situation, yes.
2: And and one of the things that we do, Brent, is you know if you're uh, in a business, any business planning questions that you might have about your business, feel free to write those questions down. And then when you and your wife come in as a couple, we'll go over all of this, and we'll review what is your financial statement, and you know we'll look at is it an LLC, is it an S corp, et cetera, and what is the best fit for you in your situation based on what your goals, your objectives, and your needs are currently and for the future.
4: Okay, well, thank you very much.
2: Give us a call.
1: We'll get your phone number. We'll set up in a meeting to meet with you. I'm looking forward to meeting you with you, Brent.
4: Yes, sir. I'm a very good-looking man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Give us a call
3: during the week at Lewis Financial Management. Make an appointment to sit down face-to-face and discuss your your situation. The number at our office during the week is 919 919- eight seven two seven thousand. That's Lewis Financial Management. Nine one nine
2: eight seven two seven thousand.
1: Linda, Deborah, what's new in the world of estate planning?
2: Well, there was a very interesting article about the power of planning together. And uh What an interesting article.
3: It really was. Did it remind you of several different family situations we had worked with in our office? Yes, indeed. There was this lady, and she was interviewed, and she said, you know, it hit me very hard when my husband, Jim, was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. He had a stem cell transplant that they said would prolong his life three to four years, and I'm just so thankful that he lasted seven. Those seven years were truly wonderful. So after Jim's diagnosis, Jackie, that's this lady's name, decided to retire from her longtime position as a director of a private school and to stay close to her husband. And that's what many people do, is when life changes, we make an immediate change. And this was really good, because she says, we found ways to block out the world and genuinely be together. And she goes on to say that they focused on their family, because all of a sudden, estate planning was much more than just forming wills and trusts. And she knew immediately this is not a do-it-yourself activity.
2: Yes, Deborah, the the key to a successful plan is to create an open dialogue with your family and involve them in the process. And how did Jim, this individual that passed away, he, he how did he get the conversation going in the beginning? Well, Jackie recalls that he persuaded her to put him in the center of the living room. And you can just imagine, you know, here they are at a family gathering and asked him pointed questions in front of the whole family. And in time, his openness rubbed off on all her siblings. And now their families have come together and everyone seems to feel comfortable talking about very sensitive financial issues and you know it's funny is i think the
3: more we help families we're finding out that this is a multi-generational conversation so where it might have been that you know i don't know maybe decades ago it was just mom and dad and they have a discussion about their own wealth and when they pass away then then junior and and you know the sister, you know, find out what has happened. That's no longer the case. No. What we're finding out is that many families want to come in together and they want the adult children to be involved in their forties and fifties so that long before mom and dad are ailing or uh, incapable of taking care of themselves or their financial matters, that the children are aware of what's going on in mom and dad's situation, but also getting a really good education on how to, at a very at a much earlier age than maybe mom and dad did, get on top of their own financial
2: issues. You know, sometimes it's a sudden illness, and other times it's a terminal illness, but you have time to prepare for the departure of the person that's ill. And as you said, Deborah, sometimes it's many family members. Maybe there's a family farm or a family business, and everybody's been working and being busy and having children and et cetera, et cetera, taking vacations together. But when an event such as a terminal illness or a car accident or dementia, you know, these conversations need to be had to, to look at sensitive issues that are present and also to plan for the future and to prepare family members at, at various stages. Well, and, and that's so true because what you ultimately realize is the
3: smartest thing that you can do is hire a certified financial planner to help you and your family sort out these personal financial uh, issues and concerns. Because if you try and do it on your own, it's going to be more complicated and probably result in the uh, situation not being taken care of in the best manner. This is Deborah Lewis. Our number at the office is 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000. Jackie was comfortable, this lady that was interviewed, with um, hiring someone because she knew she wasn't comfortable managing the portfolio that her husband had set aside uh, for the family after he took his payout and and um, you know his final year in his business, um, he invested these funds in a investment portfolio. Most of them were mutual funds. But she knew she wasn't going to be prepared to take care of this by herself. And she even says in the article, I'm not interested in making more money. I just want to maintain what I've got. And hopefully the money will live on as long as I do, or longer. And uh, so they had a chance to create a portfolio that would create an income stream and it would hopefully last uh, for the remainder of her life since they knew he was passing and that there might even be something left to give to the kids. So after
2: uh, her husband died, she had a financial planner that could help her through the necessary steps that required immediate attention such as applying for Social Security, changing the you know, transferring accounts into her own name. And she wanted to roll over her, for her husband's 401k to an IRA. She wanted all of her accounts in one place instead of what we so often find. People have accounts here, there, everywhere. And she also had been very open with her children about what she was doing and where everything was so that if anything ever happened to her, they would know where to get all, the, all her documents after she would die. But she also told them that her financial planner knew everything about their situation and was there to help them. Yeah, we
3: often hear that. I've left a note on the office desk at home, in case of emergency, call Lewis Financial Management. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of funny, but it really is. Some of your thoughts are, well, who would know how to get started and um, you know, digging through anything, if God forbid something did happen. Well, when asked what her parting advice for others was, she said, just get the family conversation started. It's just easier as everyone becomes more comfortable. So start talking about finances. When raising our children, nothing it was, when we were raising our children, nothing was ever off the table, and that's how it should be. So I hope you enjoyed the article and take her advice. Take
2: some time to start talking about uh, what would happen and uh, who would be the person you would contact. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family from Lewis Financial Management in Midtown Raleigh on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call us at 919 872 7000. That's 919 USA 7000 to schedule your appointment regarding your financial planning issues. Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you?
3: Hi, we're in our middle 50s and we're about to make an appointment to either have a living trust or a will and I don't know the difference between them. What would be the best for us?
1: Now you say that you're getting ready to have a meeting with the financial planner?
3: Well, no, with a lawyer. We really need to have something set up because our adult kids really don't know what we have and we just need to have the difference between living trust and
1: a will. Right. I can help you understand a little bit, but my first advice is don't meet with the attorney first. Meet with a certified financial planner that will educate you on how it ties together everything that you've got and then go to the attorney next. It will cost you much less that way. Is that right? Yes, because so many times I see clients coming to me with unfunded living trust and I ask them, why'd you do it? And they say, well, my attorney said I should do it. I say, well, wonderful, you realize you've got a toothless dog here. You created a trust, but it's not going to do a single bit of good for you because the benefits that you're expecting to get from it won't happen unless it's been funded. Well, the attorney never told me about funding them. And the attorney generally doesn't do the funding and so forth. So I would recommend that you meet with a fee-based certified financial planner. That's someone who you're going to pay a fee for. He's not going to try and sell you anything. But he will go ahead and look at your assets. There are many cases that, where you don't need a living trust and many cases that you do. There are many attorneys that don't like living trust because it cheats them out of fees later on. Uh, that's the view of some attorneys. And there are many who feel that it's the best thing there is.
2: Our number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000.
1: Now, to give you some quick little down and dirty pieces of information so that I haven't failed to answer your question. A living trust is generally revocable, which means that you can change your mind any anytime between now and the time you die. It has two sections to it generally. One section deals with the things that you want to happen during your lifetime. Those are called the living provisions. And then you have the testamentary provisions or what you want to do happen at your death. And that's the same thing as a will. So it's got two provisions in there. Obviously, a will has nothing to do with your during your lifetime, but a living trust has two parts. It functions both during your lifetime and at your death. The IRS tells you that the revocable living trust has no taxable benefit to you whatsoever because you can change your mind. But the reason people very often want a revocable living trust is that It avoids the cost of probate at death because if you put everything you own in the name of this revocable living trust while you're alive, then at the time you die, you personally didn't own anything. This trust owned everything, and so there's nothing to go through probate, and all of the fees that you would generally pay an attorney to probate your estate are avoided. That's one reason people like revocable living trust. Another reason people like revocable living trust is that at death, You know how there's very often a nine-month delay to go through the probate process? Right. Well, there's no delay. Anything that's in the trust can be distributed immediately according to the provisions in the trust. A third reason people like revocable living trust are confidentiality. At the time that you die, only the stuff that you own personally, in other words, only things that are not owned by this trust, are in the newspaper or available for public disclosure. Trust assets are never available to the public knowledge. Another reason that people like revocable living trust, probably one of the most important reasons that I recommend them for my senior citizens, is in the sake of incapacitation. If you don't die, but you get disabled, if you get paralyzed, you don't have to use a power of attorney to, or a person doesn't have to have a power of attorney to continue to administer your assets, to take things from your investments, to pay your medical bills and so forth. Those are the reasons people want a revocable living trust. The differences between a revocable living trust and a will are basically the lifetime provisions. In other words, the what if I'm incapacitated? What if I'm disabled? There are obviously nothing like that in a will because a will doesn't start happening until you die. But a revocable living trust starts happening today. But the other thing you need to understand is all people don't need revocable living trust and all assets can't go into revocable living trust, such as your retirement accounts, and your IRAs. And then there's the question of, do you want one revocable living trust for the two of y'all, or do you want separate ones? Uh, really, you need to meet with a financial planner who can go over your assets. He's got to see everything. The attorney right. the attorney done, doesn't look at your assets. You, you need to understand that. When you meet with the attorney, you won't bring him copies of all your bank accounts and copies of your brokerage funds and all of that. But when you meet with the financial planner, yes, he wants to see everything that you own so he can then get a picture and tell you, whether he thinks it's worthwhile for you to pay the additional cost to have a revocable living trust produced.
3: Now, we've moved 19
2: times all over the country, and we never know if we're going to move again.
1: That's another reason that many people like revocable living trust. That's a very good reason that people choose revocable living trust, is because the probate process at death, if you die tomorrow and you own things in different states, very often you've got to go through probate in each of those states. If you own it in, uh, outright, but if you own it in Revocable Living Trust, you don't. I see. You see, each one of these issues is a question that really needs to be outlined much more in detail in front of a financial planner.
2: Sure.
1: Does, does that help you at all to get yeah, started?
2: That's that's great.
1: Some attorneys are excellent estate attorneys, and I, I know some really top estate planning attorneys. Others, say they're estate attorneys, but they've got a little software package that you push a button and it prints out a will and fill in and makes, it, makes them look like, but they, they really are not estate attorneys. Uh, and the financial planner can help you evaluate the competency of an attorney.
2: There's he- one brochure that I have that I'd be happy to send to you about estate planning. And if you'd like to call the office in Raleigh, it's eight seven two seven thousand. That's USA 7000. I'll be happy to mail it to you.
3: Okay, well, okay. that sounds just absolutely wonderful. Thank All you right. so much. Thank you
2: so much for calling. Bye. Goodbye now.
3: Well, you know, Doug and Linda, there are things that married couples should talk about uh when planning for retirement. And before uh, we move into that, I guess it, it's something that just is a conversation. So take out a pen and paper, write down our number. It's 919 Hold on to that pen and paper, and maybe you'll get some ideas of things you should talk about.
1: Yeah, the first thing to do for married couples when thinking about planning for retirement is to make sure that you're on the same page as soon as possible because when they discuss the future, couples in their 60s, couples in their 50s often put the focus on their children, on their grandchildren, on the needs of their aging parents. If they get around to talking about themselves at all, they might discuss an upcoming vacation or something that needs fixing around the house. But what they tend to skip over is what's going to happen once they retire. And that's a mistake. What will their life look like together? Do their individual visions match up or is there a complete disconnect? I'm amazed when I meet with clients at the basic issues that couples have never talked about together before they come to meet with me as their certified financial planner.
3: So Linda, what
2: should the first thing be that couples talk about? The first question should be, what does retirement mean to each of you? Maybe one of you wants to travel and the other wants to spend more time at home, gardening, or helping out with the grandkids. That's okay as as long as you have a plan to make it work. So it's important to talk about your goals and your dreams now, not later, so that you can work toward making them mesh later on. And, Doug, what would you
3: say is the second thing that couples should talk about?
1: At what age? At what age do you plan to retire? It's surprising how often couples ignore this topic and then argue about it later on. Some are disappointed when they learn that their spouse doesn't want to head off into the sunset as soon as possible. Others, worried about money or if they'll get along if they're together all the time, (laughs) push for age 70 or beyond. A study found out that 62% of couples don't agree on the appropriate retirement age. So much better to discuss that now.
3: So they should discuss what retirement means to each of them, and then what year or what age they they are each thinking of planning of retiring. And then, Linda, what would you say is the third thing that they should
2: talk about? A third question is, how much money do we have and where is it? In most households, one person takes on the bulk of the responsibility for handling the money, and that's fine, but there's no excuse for being totally clueless about your retirement income. It's important that both spouses stay up on what's happening with savings and with your investments. So, also, both of you should be aware of where the paperwork is filed and whose name is on what. And that's why almost all of our meetings with clients are with both spouses, husbands and wives. And it gives both the ability to talk, to discuss and describe what your retirement goals are, what you've been thinking about and what your plans are. That's right. So if you or your
3: spouse have a question tonight, what are you thinking about in regard to retirement? Jot down our number and give us a call this week. 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. You might be thinking, do we have enough? How do we get started? This is, if this is what we've accumulated, will this be enough? Are we going to outlive our money? Jot down these questions. We can answer them. We're the Lewis's at Lewis Financial Management. Now, Doug, what's another question that couples need to be asking themselves?
1: Yeah, I know this isn't one that a lot of people want to think about, but it's important. What happens to your income when one of you dies? Both spouses should know about pension rules, Social Security changes, insurance payouts. Don't make the mistake of thinking that when you're gone, your spouse is going to only need half as much money. There should be a plan in place to cover the surviving spouse's needs. And I will say that's part of every plan that we write Mm -hmm. for every client, What is the need for the surviving spouse when it happens.
2: Now, Linda, what would be another question? Well, another very important question that couples want to ask is, are you going to leave money to your kids? And if so, how much? Don't assume everything that you have when uh, one spouse dies will go to your children. There may be some taxes and other costs that can eat away at your legacy. So it's important to speak with your spouse about how you want to handle your estate. And then you need to meet with a certified financial planner. And call us at Lewis Financial Management. We are qualified to answer your questions. Certified financial planners that can assist you with addressing these very important issues that have to do with you as a couple and what you're going to do As you plan for your retirement.
1: You know, as we're coming into the end of the show tonight, we don't have time to talk about what happens if you happen to live to be 100. But I think maybe next week we might want to deal with that because the question is more and more likely for some of our clients that are moving into their 80s that look like it's very likely that they will live a long life. And maybe live to be a hundred, and the st- it's still the question: how can you be sure that you will never outlive your money? You know that's it's a big question. Uh, we want to make sure that you never kill your chickens, you live off your eggs. We call investments chickens and the income we call eggs. We think your investment portfolio should always be growing. That's right.
3: So as you listen uh, to the close of the music tonight, write down your questions. We'll be here next Sunday. And Doug, as you always say,
1: remember that your money matters because your financial future is at stake. And it's going to be a good week. I believe it's going to be a great week in front of us. It's and a, it's
2: going to be a great year.
1: It is.
3: Look at our website, Doug com.
0: been listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family Doug, Linda and Deborah. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, call Doug, Linda or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919 USA 7000 or go to dougandlinda.com and listen
4: again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with the Lewis family.